Okay, good evening, everybody. Uh, first off, a very special thank you to the Greenwald family for sponsoring this evening in gratitude to the community's weekly tefillah for Aaron during his years of courageous service in the IDF. Baruch Hashem, we are all incredibly proud of him and we are incredibly grateful that he's safe and sound. So a very special thank you to the Greenwald family. And as always, a thank you to Isaac Romano for all of his self-sacrifice and Messiris Nefesh for being the mastermind behind uh, this evening's shear. Topic tonight is confession, a word that usually doesn't fit within our lexicon of Judaism. A story is told about an Irish man who walks into a confession stand, booth, whatever it is exactly, and he hasn't been there in a while. He's been kind of out of the fold for decades. But his first time back, he was actually pleasantly surprised to see there's a nice leather chair, and there's a whole shelf of liquor, and there's cigars and chocolate, caviar. And he was thinking to himself, wow, I've got to come back here more often. And the priest walks in, and he says, excuse me, uh, you're on my side. Generally, we don't assume confession is a very Jewish thing, yet if somebody was to ask you, is confession a mitzvah? By a show of hands, what would you probably say? Why not? We have it, one of the Taryag mitzvahs. Confession does seem to be part of the tshuva process, and according to some, it might be really a mitzvah unto itself. I'd like to explore tonight briefly what is the philosophy behind our understanding of confession, what is the goal of, of confession? When and where does it apply? Obviously, it's very different than, uh, than perhaps the Christian approach to, uh, to confession. We'll start with the Rambam. The Rambam tells us that kol mitzvah any mitzvah that we are in violation of, either maliciously or by accident, the famous words of the Rambam, when you do tshuva, vayashuv mecheto, and you return from your chet, you try to pull yourself back from that mistaken way of life, at that point, chayiv lihisvados lifnei hakel baruchu, you are obligated to confess. Lihisvados vidu is a confession. According to some, their understanding of the Rambam is the ikr mitzvah, the main obligation is not tshuva. Rather, he's saying, if you decide to do tshuva, and it's a wonderful thing to do, you might as well. It's an amazing opportunity and gift that we have to do tshuva. But the mitzvah is, when you decide to do that, you have to confess. You need vidu, you have to express the harata, you have to somehow verbalize your remorse. The Rambam says, this is actually learned from the Pasuk, vihisvadu es chatosam asher asu, that part of the carbon process was not just the action of bringing a sacrifice, but it was the mental, it was the machshava, it was the psychological association with the behavior that I was doing, and a main part of that process was the vidui. There was smicha, where you actually placed your hands on the animal, and at that time you said vidui, you confessed your sins. So not only is it a thing within Judaism, according to the Rambam and many others, vidui is a Torah obligation. The Shari Tshuva, 
written by the Rebbe Yonah, where he goes through the different steps of tshuva. So he says, Yesha lov lehaz kiravonos. We need to verbalize our mistakes, and not just our own, but also avonos avosenu. We even have to mention past averos of past generations, because the assumption is that I'm following in their ways, I'm influenced by them. And whatever mistakes happened a generation or two ago, that is having a direct impact on who I am and how I see the world right now. So both the Rebbe Yon and the Rambam tell us there is a mitzvah, min Torah, there is a Torah obligation, you have to confess your sins. What is the objective of this confession, and why is the vidui process so fundamental? When you think about it objectively, the other aspects of tshuva make a lot of sense. Charata, I have to feel bad about what I did. I have to have a real sense of regret. Why do I need that? So in order to ever get to the next step, if it's anything in life, putting aside spirituality, but I really want to change my eating habits, I really want to change my productivity, I have to have some level of, of discomfort, of dissatisfaction with the way things are going now in order to have the proper motivation to move things in a different direction. So charata makes a lot of sense. Aziva sachet, which means I'm going to leave the sin behind. I'm not going to do this. I'm stopping right now because I feel so bad about the way I've been acting, the way I've been speaking. So that also makes sense. That's a critical component of change. And the third is Kabbalah Allah Asid, which is I'm going to make a real acceptance upon myself that in the future I'm planning not to do this. And that requires thought, that requires strategy. But all of those steps in the tshuva process that we all know very well, those make a lot of sense. Where does Vidui come in? What am I gaining by confessing my sins? So I want to share with you a couple of lines here from Shamshan Rafal Hirsch. Rav Hirsch writes, It is most significant that confession of guilt, confession of sin, is expressed almost exclusively in the reflexive form, vihisvada. Vihisvada literally means one is saying vidui to himself, like lehit palel. So explains Rav Hirsch, when we're verbalizing our mistakes, we're not doing so to another human being, not even to God, who in any case does not have to wait for our confession to obtain knowledge of our sins. But to himself has the sinner to confess the sin that he has committed. To himself must he admit his mistake. The first step forwards towards any tshuva, explains Rav Hirsch, is making clear to oneself without any self-deception exactly where, how, and when I went wrong. As long as one allows one's mind to be bemused with apologetic self-deception, there is no real hope for real change. So Rav Hirsch is telling us, confession has nothing to do with sharing my sins with another human being. He concludes here to the contrary. We have a hashkafa within Judaism that you're not allowed to share your, your sins with other people if there's no benefit of doing so. If I really felt remorse, if I really felt bad about this particular behavior, so then why would I go around and tell you about it? There is one exception to that rule. If you look up to me 
And by me sharing with you, you know, that I've made these mistakes throughout my life, Rav Shlomo Hoffman, who was one of the great Talmidim of Rav uh, Isaac Sher, Rav Isaac Sher was the Rosh Hashiv in Slobodka. So he writes that so often when I was a young bacher in conversations with Rav Isaac Sher, and I was telling him, you know, the struggles that I was going through, he would often share with me the fact that he went through those similar nisyonos when he was my age, if not older. And he did so not just to publicize the fact that he made some mistakes throughout his life like any normal human being, but he did so to encourage me and to make me feel more comfortable. So there are exceptions to that rule, but generally speaking, says Rav Hirsch, we don't go around sharing our mistakes with others. There's no concept of confession to a mortal man, not even to God classically. The main point, the main objective of vidui is lehisvada to oneself. It's reflexive. If someone was going to say vidui, let's say during the Slichos period, during a Sarasimei Tshuva, on Yom Kippur, and we did so with no heart and no soul. It was just reading from the Machzor, verbalizing the words but not thinking about anything that I'm saying. How meaningful should that be on a scale of 1 to 10? So you would assume pretty much a zero. You're not doing anything. The words of the Rambam are, Kol HaMisvada B'Devarim, Anyone who confesses with words, but he has no intention to really leave the behavior he's presently addicted to, then this person is analogous to someone who goes into the mikvah, but he's holding a sheritz, he's holding an animal that's metamehim. So you might be in the mikvah, you might be inside the water, but you're not going to become tahor because you're holding on to the sheretz. That's the analogy of the Rambam. I was always puzzled by this because what you're really telling me is that when I express my sins, I go through the motions of confession, that's somewhat significant. Even though I don't have in mind to stop what I'm doing, the mere fact that I'm, that I'm listing off all of the mistakes that I've made, you're at least going to the mikvah. You're going in the water. It's true you're not going to come out pure from that experience because you're still holding on to the sherets. You're still engrossed in those activities. But the fact that he considers vidui, vidui devarim, anything whatsoever, I think is somewhat surprising. If my confession is insincere, why should it be analogous to trying to go to a mikvah? Now, the word vidui is very interesting. Where does it come from? Right? Classically, literally, translated as confession, but what does vidui actually mean? So we have in the parsha this week something known as vidui maisros. What's vidui maisros? The Torah tells us, we know there is a basic cycle in Eretz Yisrael where out of seven years, there are seven-year cycles. The first two years, you would always give a tenth of your crops to the Levium. And then you would give another tenth for Meiser Sheni. Meiser Sheni is I take the produce, I travel to Yerushalayim, and the produce itself has some level of Kedusha, 
That's why, parenthetically, whenever you have the opportunity to consume something, either eating fruit or drinking wine from Eretz Yisrael, assuming you could avoid the issues of trumos and maisros, it's always a better option. Realistically, produce could be confusing, but when it comes to wine, if you have the opportunity to get a wine from the Galil versus one from Italy, go for the one from the Galil. You're supporting Eretz Yisrael, you're supporting Echenu B'nai Yisrael, and you're also getting a different Kedusha from that, from that uh, Cabernet. Close parentheses. So, through two, first two years of that cycle, Meiser Shani, we take our produce to Yerushalayim and we celebrate with friends and family. The third year, again, we always give a, a tenth to the Levim because they were really the teachers of Torah. They were the spiritual leaders. We have to support them. But the third year, the other tenth of my produce, instead of going to, uh, towards a celebration of the family, it goes to a Neim. It goes to poor people. Widow, Yosomim, people who are, who are in need of help. That continues again the fourth and fifth year. Right? The fourth and fifth year are repetition of year one and two. 10% to the Levim and then 10% for Meiser Shani. And then year six is a repetition of year three where 10% goes to the impoverished people and year six, and year seven is Shemitah. So we have in Kisovo that After going three years of this cycle, and you're now standing, the commentaries explain, in the fourth year, there's something called Vidui Meiser. You have to confess to the fact that you gave all of your Meiser obligations to the Levim, Truma, to the Kohanim, and the, uh, the tenth to the Aeneim. The Martin, you say the following declaration. The Hashem you say in front of Hashem your God. I have literally removed all of the Kedusha, all of the produce from my house. And I distributed everything to the people that, that were worthy of it, to the Levim and to the uh, the impoverished people. According to all of your mitzvahs that you've commanded me, I did not transgress anything, and I did not forget any one of the many details. I did it flawlessly. I was perfect. The declaration goes on to say, Shemati Bikol Hashem Elokai. I listened, I obeyed to the, the voice of Hashem. According to everything that you've instructed. And then he concludes. He's now asking Hashem for a blessing. Look down upon us, gaze upon Amcha Yisrael. And to the land, and give us bracha, this wonderful land of Eretz Yisrael flowing with milk and honey. That's the declaration you make, and that's called Vidui Maisros. Confession of Maisros. What was the confession here? Generally, confession means, I did all these different things wrong and now it's time for me to verbalize my remorse. Now I'm standing here in the base of Migdash. The truth is you could say this anywhere, but preferably you're standing in Yerushalayim and you're saying, I did everything according to the dictates of the Torah. And that's confession. That's vidui. It's like you have the Rebbe in class 
and he turns around to write something on the board, and lo and behold, the spitball comes flying and hits the board, missing the Rebbe by this much. And he turns around, who did that? And all the kids are sitting there. Who threw the spitball? During recess, I'm going to be in my office, and I want the person who is responsible for this terrible act of chutzpah to come into my office like a gavra, like a real man, and confess. And if you do so, I'll have Rachmanis on you, but I'll find out no matter what. You know that Rebbe personality, right? I'll find out. So he's sitting in his office during recess, and David walks into the room. Rebbe, yes, David, I'd like to confess. Okay. It's hard for me to say this, but I want to be Mekayim, the mitzvah of Vidui. Please, David, feel free. I'm, I'm telling you, if you could just be open and honest with me, there's not going to be a major punishment. Just be real. And David says, I was sitting there in the corner, and all the boys were trying to entice me to throw something at you, and I constantly refused. I didn't even have a taiva to throw something at you. And even when you turned around and your back was facing us for a good 40 seconds, and I could have done a lot of things at that point, I did absolutely nothing because I love you and I care for you and I admire you and respect you. That's my confession. It's not a vidui. That's not expressing any hate. So why in the world is this called vidui maestros? Now, where is it actually referred to as a vidui? In these psukim themselves, there's no mention that this declaration is viewed as a confession. Rashi comes along and he says, based on the phrase, Hashem explains Rashi, what does that mean that you were declaring this in front of Hashem? Hisvada, you were confessing that you distributed the maisros appropriately. So where does Rashi get it from? So the Mizrahi, one of the commentaries in Rashi, says an amazing insight. He said, Rashi read the words very carefully. What was the Pasuk saying that you were, you were verbalizing these words in front of Hashem? It shouldn't be in front of Hashem. It should have been to Hashem. When you speak to a Kodesh Baruch Hu, when you daven, you're speaking to Hashem. But rather it says, Lifnei Hashem. Therefore explains the Mizrahi, you were not speaking to God. So who are you speaking to? Are you psychotic? Rashi therefore understood that this is Vidui. Like Rav Hirsch told us, Vidui is exclusively or almost exclusively Lehis Vada. It's reflexive. So the Torah is commanding us, when you come and you make this declaration, you're not speaking to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you're not speaking to the Kohanim or the Levim, you're not speaking to friends and family, you're speaking to yourself, and that's why it's called a vidui. It's still somewhat strange. Why would the Torah command you to speak to yourself? And not just, it's not a classic vidui, we understood from Rav Hirsch. If I did a whole bunch of things wrong, so then I have to crystallize that in my mind, that this kind of behavior is bad. That's the first step to change. But what's the goal of the Torah telling me I have to come and stand before myself 
and, and say out loud, right? It can't even be b'machshava. I can't be thinking the words. I have to say out loud, I am a complete tzaddik. I did everything right. Velo shechachti, I didn't forget one of the many details. Rashi says, lo shechachti means I even made all the brachas I was supposed to. I did everything. Why would the Torah want me to come and brag? We also believe in humility. So it's called vidui because I'm speaking to myself, but we don't yet have that theory of everything that would explain what the underlying concept of vidui is, why it applies to confessing sin, and it also applies to making this particular proclamation. And what's the intent of the Torah saying that we have to let everyone know or let ourselves know that I did everything correct? What's the point of that? The Malbim many times focuses on the etymology of words. And when it comes to the concept and the basic philosophy of Vidui, the Malbim I think we'll use as our anchor. There are a few different interpretations here, but with shortness of time and people wearing masks, we're going to jump straight to the Malbim. <laughs> the Malbim says an incredible thing. Where does the word vidui come from? This is source number 10. He says, Geder vidui hu hepech hakafira Vidui should never again be translated as confession. And if you do so, you'll have to confess. Right? But vidui is not confession. Rather, vidui is the opposite of holding something back. Vidui is the opposite extreme of kfira v'achasha, of denial and ignorance. And explains the Malbim. Vidui is when you explicitly say something that naturally I would not want to share. That naturally I would rather hide and keep to myself. What are the two examples of Vidui? The first one is Shemoda Shevach Chavero. That I speak highly of my friend. I'm praising somebody. It's so easy to put people down, and it makes us feel good. But to really speak highly of somebody else, if I have no connection with them, and we don't have the jealousy factor, then it's a lot easier. They're not really in my league. But if we're both doing the same basic thing, we have the same occupation, and we're kind of in competition, then it's very hard to speak praise of somebody else. Says the Malbim, that's example number one of Vidui. Saying something nice, saying a shevach about another human being. Example number two, which is the classic Vidui, Shemoda Gnus Atzmo, where I'm admitting to a failure within myself. Not that chas v'shalom, I'm a failure, we don't believe in that, but that I made a mistake. So either speaking highly about you, or speaking negatively about myself, those are the two examples, says the Malbim of Vidui. And he elaborates briefly. He says, where do we find in the Chumash someone who had a, a classic Vidui to the point where she was actually praised as the first one in history to really be Misvada? That was Leah. 
When Leah had her fourth child, Yehuda, she named him Yehuda. So her expression was, Hapam Odes Hashem. Now I could thank Hashem fully. And the Gemara in Bracho says, until that time in history, nobody thanked Hashem until Leah. That doesn't mean that Adam Harishon and Noach and Avram Avinu and all the other holy people to walk the planet, Shem and Aver, of course they said, thank you Hashem, every single day of their lives, but there was never this profound hakora. The definition is not confession, the definition is admission. There was never this level of admitting to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, like Leah did, when she said, Hapam Oda Es Hashem. Example number two of category two, that's what we find in many places throughout Chumash, we've quoted a few of them, that misvada chatasi, that I'm expressing my hate. But in both of these scenarios concludes the Malbim, ki ha'adim lahalim chata'av, generally speaking, I would never want to share with you all of my negative traits, all of the things that hold me back, all of the things that make me small. I don't want to share that with you. That's vidui. So vidui is not just an expression of regret. It's not even so much focused on the past, but it's a verbal declaration of openness and vulnerability. That's vidui. Openness and vulnerability. There's nothing more therapeutic than authenticity. Vidui is the ultimate expression of authenticity. If you think back to times in our lives where we were able to say thank you to somebody and it didn't come easily and it wasn't just a matter of fact, everyone's saying thank you, so I'll just chime in as well. But I actually was proactive in, in finding someone and letting them know how much I appreciate or appreciated what they did for me. That's life changing. And the same thing is true when we're able to say sorry. You're having an ongoing conflict with a spouse where things could continue somewhat normally. We're not yelling at each other and at each other's throats constantly, but it's just, it's not a very healthy, relaxed, loving atmosphere. And then if you have the courage to break through and actually say, you know what? I don't want to be acting like this. I really do apologize. Doesn't mean I have to agree with everything you've been saying and we could still have different views, but being able to say something that's so unnatural, we always talk about going outside of our comfort zone. When it comes to Debor, when it comes to the words that we say, going outside of that comfort zone and saying, thank you so much, I needed you, or I'm so incredibly sorry, I, I know I made a mistake, I should not have responded like that. That says the Malbim, that's Vidui. Why would a Kaddish Baruch Hu give us this mitzvah? Stand up and tell yourself how amazing you are. I was Mekayim the mitzvos. You're just bragging, you're patting yourself on the back. We believe in self-esteem. This whole thing sounds strange. So I like to suggest if we look into the poskim, right, the halachic authorities that speak about what intention should we have when we say a bracha, a bracha before doing a mitzvah. Baruch atah Hashem, Elokeinu melech olam, asher kiddishonu b'mitzvosav, 
that you've sanctified us through your mitzvahs, vitzivanu, and you've commanded us whatever that particular mitzvah is. Explain many of the poskim. The reason we say a bracha before doing a mitzvah, the main reason, the most fundamental reason is to get myself in the zone, to be focused, to be conscious, to have the proper preparation of what I'm about to do. The other reason given is to express gratitude. Just like I say a bracha before benefiting from something, before eating an apple or drinking coffee, I say, thank you, Hashem, for this hana, this pleasure that I'm about to receive. So the same thing is true when we say a bracha before doing a mitzvah. Thank you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for forgiving me the opportunity to be part of this special Ama Nivchar, to be able to do this mitzvah, to be Mekayim Ritzoncha, to fulfill your will in this world. I feel so blessed. I feel so grateful. That's the intention we have when saying a bracha. It seems like in this declaration, when we get up and say, we did everything from A to Z, we were makayim all of these beautiful mitzvahs and halachos and digduke halach, all the details. We're not doing so to praise ourselves. Of course we feel good about it. But it's not an expression of pride, it's an expression of pleasure. It's really our way of saying, thank you for giving me these amazing opportunities that, that infuse my life and my family's life with meaning. And whenever we express gratitude, the Malbim says, to a fellow human being, and kol shekane, and even more so, when we express real gratitude to Hashem, that's not easy. That's vidui. Why is it so hard to say thank you in a real, genuine, authentic way? Sir Hudner has a, a very profound piece where he says, we know that hoda can mean one of two things. It can mean admission, which seems to be the, the root behind vidui according to the Malbim. It could also mean thanksgiving, right? Toda rabah, thank you. So, but what's that common thread? What is that, that, that sad hashava between hoda, which is admission, and hoda, which is thank you? Explains Rav Hutner. This is on source number 11. He says, Ki shel within the depths of the human neshama, we have hidden within us, she'ifa lio smucha al shulchan atzma, this need for independence. We don't want to rely on anybody. I'll tell you a secret. I'll make a confession. I'm not going to tell you exactly how old I am. For those listening, they might not know. But I've been on my mother's cell phone plan for many, many years. <laughs> and finally, based on Hashkacha Pratis and the Yad Hashem leading us in a particular direction, the Light family now has their own cell phone plan. And my first reaction was like, that's $40 a month more than I was paying before. But I got over that. And there was a sense of exuberance. <laughs> I, I loved being on my mother's plan as well. But there's a feeling of independence. We're now official, right? Baruch Hashem, we have a home and we have a children, a car. But we have our own cell phone plan. I'm my own man now. I'm independent. Says Rav Hutner, this she'ifa, this yearning, is really within every human being. Without needing anyone's help. 
And when I express my gratitude to you, and I say thank you, what's really going on in my thank you, on a deeper level, there's an admission. What am I admitting to? That I needed your help. That I was not totally self-sufficient. That whenever I say thank you and I mean it, what I'm really doing is vidui. I'm, I'm, I'm admitting to the fact that I could not have done this without you or it would have been much more difficult and therefore I say thank you. When you look at the Sefer Achinuch in both the mitzvah of vidui, of, of what we used to call confession of sin, and vidui maestros, and making this declaration here in Parshas Kisavo, he says a very similar idea to explain each mitzvah, which I think gives us a little bit more of an expanded concept of vidui, even more than Rav Hirsch that we started off with. The Sefer Chinuch writes, when it comes to the mitzvah of expressing my regret for doing a chet, gam mitochas koras a chet befrat, by mentioning what I did, by verbalizing my mistake and my desire to try to change, then yizohir mimenu yoser pamacheris, that will help me, that will encourage me, that will give me more zahirus, more ability to be careful in the future. Why? Because I said it with my mouth. When I say something, it becomes more real. It's not just an expression of the way I was feeling or am feeling, but it's creating a new reality. Words change mitzias. The words that we say change the reality around us. We know this in the world of psychology. Right? The whole field of positive psychology now for decades has been focusing on the idea of self-talk. You have to speak to yourself like a mensch. If we're always putting ourselves down, we're always being super critical and overjudgmental of ourselves. Last week we spoke about being judgmental of others. But probably the majority of the time, I'm not so much looking at you and putting you down as I'm looking at myself and putting myself down. And when I make a mistake, it's not just a mistake, but it's just another proof that I'm a failure. It's another indication that obviously I am totally incompetent. If anybody would speak to you like the way you speak to yourself, you probably wouldn't be their best friend. So this idea of self-talk is not something new. It's not new age. It's not the last 30, 40 years. The Sefer Chinuch is telling us, going back more than 3,000 years ago, the mitzvah of vidui, of expressing hate, is not just a, a reflection of the way I feel, but it's creating a new mentality. It's creating a new reality for me now to have the ability to change. And he concludes the mitzvah by saying, Vidui is one of the greatest gifts HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Klal Yisrael. It's a matana. How often do we think like that when we're actually saying Vidui? Better question is, how often do we think of anything when we're saying Vidui at 6 in the morning? But assuming we were thinking something, and we were trying to focus on the words, how often do we feel this overwhelming sense of gratitude? Hashamnu, begavnu, thank you Hashem so much for allowing me to be doing this. Those two feelings are almost in contradiction. But right there, that duality 
right? Those two emotions of, on one hand, I feel bad for making mistakes. That's harata. I have remorse. Not all guilt is unhealthy. Oftentimes, guilt can be very, very productive in the right dose, in the right way, in the right context. But at the same time, I could feel this inner sense of joy because if I'm really doing vidui, then I'm opening up. I'm opening up a channel, I'm opening up a relationship with a Kaddish Baruch Hu that was somewhat closed before. I'm becoming more vulnerable. And that's what the Peleyoetz means. The Peleyoetz says something very cryptic regarding the emotional state we're trying to achieve leading up to Rosh Hashanah and Esther Simei He writes in source number 13 that sometimes the call of the hour is to be besimcha. And sometimes the call of the hour is to be ba'atzvus, is to feel, uh, to feel down. However, he says, sometimes we feel simcha mitzad echad, joy on one hand, ulhitzatzev mitzad acher. But at the same time, I also feel some level of sadness. V'hi'ayin b'mar bocha, my eyes might be crying bitter tears, v'leiv sameach, but my heart is rejoicing. My heart is jumping for joy. Where do we find that duality? Kegon b'Rosh Hashanah v'Yom HaKippurim. What is that combination? It's a combination of harata, of regret, of remorse, of healthy guilt. But it's also being open, being vulnerable, breaking down those barriers, being able to say, I'm sorry, I, I want to be better. Being able to say, thank you. Lo shechachti, I didn't forget. Not that I'm taking pride in my accomplishment. I feel good, but I feel pleasure. And being able to express that genuinely, that's vidui. Vidui is not about the past. It's about opening doors for the future. Why would the Rambam say, if I'm doing the mitzvah of vidui, but I don't have in mind to leave the chait, it's considered like I'm in the mikvah, but I'm holding the sheritz. You're not doing anything! Explains to Mordechai Gifter. He said, no. Maybe you're not really expressing your, your feelings of, of remorse because you don't want, want to leave it that badly and perhaps you don't even feel that bad. But the fact you're saying the words, the fact that you're in the room, the fact that I'm waking up earlier than usual and I'm trying to be part of something that I have a very difficult time to relating to, that means that I'm in the game, that I'm in the arena. In the holy words of Gifter, <coughs> he says, The vidui ba'atzmuso yesh bekocho, the vidui itself has the power, lipol ala adem oro, to have an impact on me, to awaken me, to awaken those feelings that may not be there yet. Shepu'ulazu lav bas kayamahi. This itself may not do much, but it's opening the door for the future. So we think about the Jewish concept, the Jewish philosophy of confession. Do we have such a thing in Judaism? The resounding answer is no. We have something called vidui. Vidui, according to the Malbim, is admission. Being able to say thank you and to praise another human being, to speak highly of someone or a Kaddish Baruch Hu, or to be able to say I'm sorry, to be able to express real harata, Breaking through barriers and connecting, being open, being vulnerable, that's the mitzvah min ha-Torah, that's the Torah obligation of saying vidui. 
Lo shechachti, sometimes we say, thank you, Hashem, for allowing me to do all of these amazing mitzvot, and sometimes we say, I'm sorry for not doing what I could be doing. I'm sorry for not living up to the human being that perhaps I could and should be. But both at the same time, that's the healthiest way of living. It's not black and white. We're happy to have the opportunity. We're happy to be connecting in a more tangible way. Now, during this month, getting ready for the special season, more than ever. And at the same time, we could feel healthy charata as well. That's Vidui. Okay, shkoyach everybody.